0: Welcome to the A to Z of sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on some headphones. Today, the letter is W and W is for whores. At present, the word whore refers to both a sex worker And it is the most popular insult to hurl at a woman who's either too independent, taking too much charge of her sexuality, or too much charge of her life. This week, I am happy to be joined by an expert on the history of the term whore and whores and sex workers themselves. Dr. Kate Lister is a researcher at Leeds Trinity University in historical attitudes to sexuality and sex work. She has published on the history of media narratives around sex work, the history of menstruation, and sexual violence in historical drama. She's the curator of the online research project whoresofyore.com, which archives the work of sex workers, activists, academics, and artists, and brings the message of sexual positivity to an even wider audience. The project has over 95,000 followers on Twitter. Kate is on the board of the International Sex Work Research Hub, is a columnist for The Independent, and has worked as a historical consultant for Channel 5's upcoming My Sexual Fantasy. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. It's lovely to be here.
0: So where do we start? Let's talk about this term whore.
1: Okay, let's talk about that word. Yes. Um, I think I think that the kind of what would interest me about that word and about words like slut and slag and, and those kind of terms is that that why why, when we're trying to insult a woman, are those our go-to words? And maybe hmm. bitch as well. But overwhelmingly, the insults that we go to are, are sexually charged words. You know, and, then, and they attack a woman's um, sexual morality, I suppose, more than anything else. Like You would call uh, a woman that you, you don't know, but you'd call her a slut or a slag, but you have no idea about her, her, her sexual. She could be a nun, for all you know. You've absolutely no idea. So I'm really interested in how we've got to the point where um, words like whore and slut and slag, they've become our go-to insults and why that and I, is, is about us.
0: I mean, I find that fascinating because it's, it's so much about, to me, if you control your, if you control the sexuality, you control the person.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: it's, that's yeah. so much about using those insults is about controlling that. It says you can't own your sexuality if you do that you are um, immoral and yeah. need to be denigrated.
1: It's about shaming, isn't it? It's about, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a very neatly encapsulated sort of verbal missile to throw at somebody that says that you are a bad person. You're a bad person because you have sex and that makes you a bad person. And I think, I think the thing that I'm really interested about about the word whore is because I called my project Whores of your um, and I, I used the word because I wanted, I wanted to tweet and research about the history of illicit sex. And I thought that, that word summed it up very nicely because that, that tends to be the word that, you, that we use. It's not necessarily tied to a profession like the word right. prostitute is, it's more of a moral state. But the reaction that I've got from the sex work community online has been really eye-opening around that and very humbling because I, I was trying to sort of convey the idea that there's a history of shaming sex and illicit sex and sexual attitudes really and they've never have in the west been particularly positive um but the sex work community have been very vocal about the fact that the word whore has a very different meaning for them and um, it's used to insult them on a daily basis and it's a very degrading word in a lot of ways but then it's also another word that is in a state of reclamation amongst right you know and it's like like that like the word I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed to use any of them, but the n-word.
0: Yes, you can use all of them.
1: Oh, can I? Okay, right. Yeah. So, like, But the word nigger, for example, see, I shouldn't even, if I use that, I'd probably use, lose my job if I used it in the wrong context. Right. But in certain social groups with certain people or like uh, in, in rap lyrics, for example, example, then it takes on a new meaning and becomes very defiant. But it's not for a white person to use. Exactly. You know, but unspoken rules about it. And the word whore is very much in that state. Is it okay for somebody who's not a sex worker to use that term? You know, and that, that's a whole other debate. I'm trying to use it to convey. And I think, I, think that it, I think that it is because I think most women at some point or another have been slut-shamed, have been called names. I know I've certainly been called a whore and a slag and a slut. And that was, that's just by my mother. That's not true. <laughs> my mum's lovely um but so I kind of use it to represent that but if that's an interesting debate is is it okay for me to use it for anyone else to use it
0: but I mean it's hard because it is very much you know it it, it, as you say it does have two meanings one is the meaning that's, that's that that is really just confined to sex work but most women who are sexually active have been called that at some point
1: or not even sexually active. Joan of Arc, she was a virgin and they called her a whore. Or Elizabeth, the Vir- virgin queen, she was also called a whore. So it's, I don't even think that you have to be sexually active to be able to be insulted as being sexually active. You know what I mean? Wait, well, like, boy, what does
0: that say? <laughs> I, don't, I
1: don't even know what that says, that's you, that's-
0: you know, that's like the worst thing in the world is to be sexually active. You can be a murderer, that's not so bad, but being sexually active as a woman, that's, that's, that's really that's, awful. That's,
1: And then, and if you if you want to insult a man, you call him a son of a bitch or a son of a whore.
0: Son of a whore,
1: yeah. Is again insulting the woman, the female sexuality. I can't really think of any words that attack men's sexuality in the same way. I mean, maybe you can call a guy a dick, I suppose, but it's not doesn't really have the same impact or gravitas. Or like you could call him like a man whore, but even that, even that's using the the word itself.
0: It's that's actually like a joke. Usually when you call somebody a manhort, that's something they're proud of.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's not, you know, and, and if you call them a dick, it doesn't have the kind of power. It's like, oh, well they're a dick, but you know, it, it just doesn't have that kind of power to it. Um, I mean, I was fascinated as America as an American coming to the, the UK, um, 27 years ago, the word cunt is not a word that's used in America.
1: No, it, it, no, it is not. And you can get in a lot of trouble with that one. It word. is
0: really, so it's like, you know, women go the C word. The fact that I say it out loud, there will be people who will have an issue with me for saying it out loud. But it's not, it's not something that we, we Americans, that Americans use. I, I use it having, having integrated it from Brit, being in the United Kingdom. And in the UK, that is like, that's like a big insult yeah big that's insult. what you call somebody
1: if, if yeah. up in scotland in glasgow it can be a term of endearment they can like they regularly just call each other the you wee cunt but all of this you we- wee, cunt <laughs> <laughs> now that one i hadn't heard i love that like, I heard of, uh, if, yeah if you're up in scotland everything is a cunt they you just you'd say things like oh i'm gonna go and see that cunt oh you know that cunt that cunt that that cunt told me about i'll oh, see you later you wee cunt
0: and it's just yeah, <laughs> just becomes a word for, <laughs> and it's like what do they think they're saying? And for an American, the first time that I heard somebody say it, and and nobody dropped dead on the floor, you know, it was sort of like I remember turning to my ex and saying, "What the fuck was that?" You know, I mean, like he just used the c word, and and he was like, "And so what? Yeah, so what?" You know, that's just kind of like... And so to me, that was fascinating. It's like, how did our genitals become this, like, very casual insult? this really, term of endearment.
1: Yeah, I, like, in, in the UK, it is still regarded as the worst swear word. Yes. Like, the British film classification last year polled swear words from, from least offensive to most offensive. And cunt was up there. And it was twinned with, 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 with nigger. Now, I ask you, how is that possible? How? I mean, like, the, the N-word... That that comes to us from the worst atrocities that human beings have been capable of, right? In, in
0: and sense. and cunt comes to us from our mothers, you know, and ourselves, and I mean, it's our anatomy. What what is the
1: absolutely? I mean, like that the the n word was was used to justify some of the most rank and awful treatments of of, of black uh, people. Well, ever it's hideous. But whereas cunt, cunt is actually the oldest word that we have for female genitals, it predates vulva and vagina by, by many, many hundreds of years. And if you go back to um, the medieval period, it turns
0: up in medical
1: texts. It's just like, it's just the word. It's like,
0: yeah, it's just like saying vagina, it's just, that's yeah. the term for... You would,
1: you would go to a medieval doctor and, and say, I, I, I think I need my cunt swabbing, please. <laughs> Whatever it was you <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I Love it. You'd have a cunt doctor. Uh, yeah, you would have gynecology, you'd have cunt ecology. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, but somehow down the etymological route, it started to become more and more and more offensive. And it's, the word vagina, I, um, you know, I don't know if you ever touched on this before, but that means um, like a, a sheath, something that you put a sword into, a scabbard. So its entire etymological function is to hold a sword. That's what that word means so it's not a very empowering word
0: no it's a, it actually it's very disempowering it's imp- um,
1: purpose to hold a penis
0: how interesting yes how Where
1: interesting "Kunt" doesn't actually mean anything we don't even know what it means that's how old it is we can't even trace its its root although some people have theorized that, that it has links like a root word of, of gyne which we get gynecology. Yep. Things that are, or, or perhaps gen from genetics and both of those mean life. Right. It might actually mean life, procreation whereas vagina means a sheath.
0: How, how interesting. interesting. Yes. So well, I, and I, I, so not that how far be, back does go on? How far back does four go?
1: Uh, it's lost in the midst of time. It's really, really, really old that one. Um, it, the, it, the Vikings used it. It was kind of like a hura that they had. And it means adulterous then. But they've, they've traced it to perhaps that, that it has a root of ka. Like it's a yep. proto-Indo-European. As in like before kind of we split off and got loads of different languages. And ka is the root word to um, also karis uh, and um, karma, karma sutra. It means love. Right. So they've theorized that it originally Hall meant um, she that desires or she that loves. Right. And then somewhere down the road it starts to take on more negative connotations. But it doesn't, it doesn't start to mean a sex worker or isn't used in those terms until around about sort of the early modern period. Is like Shakespeare uses it over a hundred times in his plays, but it doesn't mean someone that sells sex. It just means a woman that has sex. So it's not yes. linked profession, it's just a kind of a general insult, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> But still, that is still a very powerful word, right? Is it still? You have yeah. to think twice before you drop the the W bomb. I think uh, Randy Rhodes was was fired for calling Hillary Clinton a big whore in the campaign trail last last year. So it's still a very powerful word.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I and I and I mean, it carries a lot of weight. It's demeaning. It's shaming.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I suppose well, because like when we're when we're growing up, is like we're, we have all these, these, these roles enforced to us. And especially about uh, being women. I mean, men have their own roles enforced to them as well, without a shadow of a doubt. But women is, it's all about, you know, don't do that. Don't do, you know, and we kind of teach children shame very early, very early on. You know, like if you've been around small children, is that they, they regularly just take their clothes off and run around because they're hot without yep. a hint, hint of shame or, or anything yep. else. Yeah, my, my darling nephew, who who I hope will never hear this, is two, and he's just discovered his willy. He just and he just will sit there and he's watching in the night garden or Sarah and Duck, and he's just got his hands down his pants, and it's stinky. Which I can't wait to tell him this when he's eighteen. But right, you have to teach kids that that's wrong, and we don't do that. Well, and it's, of, it's you know,
0: it's, it's so delicate because it, so it's. Delicate. It, I mean, because it is natural. You know? It's natural. Yeah. Two is about the right age when they do this. Yep. Boys and girls. And yep. I've dealt with so many parents over the years and talking with them about, well, how do we handle this? Mm. Like, whatever you do, it's got to be non-shaming. So the message needs to be not in public. Yep. But not don't do this or there's something wrong with this it has to be it's a private pleasurable activity it's your thing that you can do but not while you're cuddling up to mommy or not while you're you know (laughs) you know not while your aunt's in the room or you know and it's so
1: like how do you do it without without messing them up like it's so it's so delicate isn't it but like we have to from just a very early age is that we program ourselves and our, our kids to feel shame around sex, I think, or at least we teach them that, that, that that's, it's bad in some capacity, you know? And the word whore is just a big extension of that because it can, it can really, it's quite a wounding word as well. Even if you're trying to inhabit it, known it, it's still, it, it, it's, it's a real, real shaming word at the same time, you know? I,
0: you know, when um, I, I heard you speak recently at, um, scarlet Lady said, one of the things that you spoke about was how quick we are as women to go to that place
1: oh yeah which
0: I found you know really liberating to kind of have that brought up because I think women listening that'll be a part of shame in listening to the conversation is that how often it's not just men who hurled this as an insult it's the first place that most women go
1: yeah yeah you've got to ask yourself is have you have you ever slut shamed another woman? Have you ever, have you ever called another woman a slut or a whore or a slag, or for, for for any reason whatsoever? Is are, are you part of that debate? And I think the honest truth is that that all of us are. I think I think that whenever we try and reduce gender issues down to sort of like men versus women, is that, that we end up, it's it's overly reductive, simplistic, and doesn't help anybody, because we don't have a situation where. Where, like, where, where, where women are, are desperately railing against this, but men are oppressing us all the time, is we internalize this and we do this to ourselves. Yeah. You know, that's the way that this works, is we've taken on these messages and we are part of the same cultural narrative that shames sex. And, and that easy.
0: continues.
1: Yeah, and it continues, right? It's, it's, I found myself, you know, on several occasions, a, a very, very close friend of, of mine recently uh, found out that her long-term partner had been cheating and, um, and I didn't know the person that he was cheating with from Adam, but it didn't stop me being sat there in the <laughs> kitchen with my friend and a glass of gin, calling her every name under the sun. You know, and I, I have a PhD in this stuff, and I should know <clears> that it was still my go-to insult. You know and,
0: well, that kind of stuff always fascinates me because we go and we, we are programmed and trained, most of women, to go to the other woman yes but the other woman unless it was the best friend you know which is different the other woman has nothing to do with any of this because the other woman didn't have a contract with with her partner absolutely it It was their contract that's broken it's her consent that's violated and yet where will we go first we will instead of binding together we we tend to attack each other
1: i think i think it's because we kind of we grow up viewing each other as the competition yeah, I think I think that unfortunately there's a big part of that. There's a lot of in-house fighting and cattiness, and and a lot of, and we f- and I think we feel very jealous and threatened by sexual women, by beautiful women, by women that, that think they have some, that they offer more than we do. Mm-hmm. And, we, and and a way to, to, to do that to, to attack it when you feel threatened is to try and attack the very thing that's scaring you, which is their sexuality. So you shame it. Yeah, you know, I, I think that we're all guilty of that. You know, like, like if you if you see, like, how many times have you I don't know, seen a friend or or maybe even someone in a magazine, and they just look absolutely balls to the wall, amazing. And instead of saying, "Oh my God, you look so beautiful," you might say it to the face, but then you'll go, "Fucking bitch." Two (laughs) minutes later, and it's a jealous thing, isn't it? You'll be like, "Bitch." She looks so nice. And
0: yeah. Yeah. Instead of actually feeling that positivity on I'm 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 polyamorous, as people who've listened to this before know. And there's this whole idea of compersion, which is joy from someone else's joy. Yeah. It's a different emotion. Not everybody manages it. Um, it's an amazing feeling to have when you can actually take genuine. Yeah extreme joy in the pleasure of your partner with someone else, right? Yeah. And, and it, it's not just a sexual thing. It's about the ability to me, it's about the ability to collaborate and empathize, which is not something we're taught. We are definitely taught that we need to compete and we're taught that there's a scarce amount of every single resource. right there's there's a scarce amount of money there's a scarce amount of partners there's and so we're taught from a very young age you must compete to be the best so that you get the prizes otherwise otherwise there isn't a middle ground we're not told well you may not get you know the highest prize and but you'll get the second prize it's kind of like if you don't get the prizes then you end up alone with no money on the street you know it's this horrible message yeah i'm I'm,
1: not and I think, as well as like we we have a culture that, that, that enables or like justifies women being very jealous and catty, each And and men for for competing with each other, it's far more permissive in our culture for a man to punch another man in the face for hitting on his woman than entertaining the idea of of you know exploring what's going on there or how does it talk or you know maybe God forbid you know let your let your partner go and explore something with them. We we live in a world where we expect that kind of real levels of sexual jealousy and being very defensive. And I think that that feeds into an awful lot of what we do. We're not each other's best friends, really. Are we, and I think- No.
0: No, but I, and, and we dehumanize in order to do that. Yes, we do. And so that's how we manage it. You know, it's like, okay, so if I shame you and I dehumanize you, then it's easier for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what the word whore does, it just very neatly, because the whore is, is a very other figure, just like it's other to us, is it becomes, if you ask people like to do like word association is what do you think of when I say the word whore and it kind of and like the sexualized women and especially sex workers, they live, they're very much like liminal people, they're on the margins, they're kind of like yeah. of, of our polite society and people think that they know what that is or they think they know what a whore is or anything else, but they don't it's just this kind of invented persona that, that it's comfortable for us to imagine that it is
0: Yeah. know my experience is that people have very little idea what sex workers do actually do in life um and that, and how many different kinds of sex worker there are and the, their social function they serve yeah. which you know, people don't pay attention to. I, mean, I I know quite a few sex workers, and in talking with them about some of their regular clients, many of um, the people I know see people who are disabled, who don't have sexual partners yeah. in the world. They're not considered desirable enough. Yeah. They're not considered attractive enough. Yeah. And so society takes this attitude that, well, they don't, it, if you don't look a certain way, then you have no sexual needs. It's amazing to me. They kind of wipe out sexual well, it's, needs. It's, for. It's
1: a big thing amongst disability rights is the right to be seen as sexual beings because although we're very good at, like, at, we have quite, a, unfortunately, quite a patronizing attitude towards disabled people, and we're not comfortable mm-hmm. like, viewing them as having sexual needs, and it's something that we, we need to stop doing, but I know that that's a big issue and amongst disabled rights. And just on that subject, there's an amazing Australian activist called Rachel Watton, who did uh, made a documentary called Scarlet Road. And she, it's about her work as a sex worker and a sex worker activist and her work with disabled clients. It's, it's a really heartbreaking, deeply moving film. And I challenge anyone to watch it and say that, that that's not okay. Um, the only issue that, that I have, and it's not even really an issue with, with the, kind of the, the idea of, of working with disabled clients is that that's often touted out as the acceptable face of sex work and I think that we need to be careful that we don't try and create this like what's often called a hierarchy, which is that we get to the point we go well that kind of sex work is okay if for disabled people it's okay that's okay we also need to be able to say people have sex with sex workers because it's fun
0: (laughs) well exactly well you know and it's a really important point and and Women have sex with sex workers. More and more women have sex with sex workers. And then we don't talk about that either because somehow there's something wrong with that. Women have sex with sex workers because it's fun. Women have sex with sex workers because it's easier than a relationship in certain circumstances because they can get their needs met and get exactly what they want. It's because they have sex with sex workers for the same reason that men have sex with sex workers. But uh, yes, we don't, I, yeah, we just don't talk about that women go to explore we, their sexuality, they go to explore kinks so that they don't have to, so they have more control.
1: Do you know, it, we, we're so wedded to this idea of a sex worker being someone that sells, for being a street sex worker and being a street sex worker who's addicted to drugs and possibly under duress in some way that, that we ignore the huge, vast swathe of, of actual real experience and let, let's not pretend for a second that street sex work doesn't exist and that there aren't people who are addicted and that, that that's mm. certainly to be part of the conversation but we ignore a huge huge body of of other experiences and other voices and women go to sex workers for what what, what you don't see is you don't see women curb crawling like you don't see a woman. No. There's not a red light district for women where men stand on corners. That, I don't think that that happens anywhere.
0: No, women, women do patronize red light districts, but then when they patronize them, they're patronizing them to, to see women. Yes, they
1: are. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's a different dynamic. Maybe we should set it yes. up light district for, 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 just with men, sex workers. Anyway, well, that, they they
0: that. did something in Amsterdam actually. Um, and I cannot remember. Ex- I'll have to look it up now. But there was a night that they gave male sex workers the windows to highlight the fact that, in fact, there, were ma- there are male sex workers. And oh, so yeah. they gave them all the windows. So all a- you could find were the men. In,
1: in the UK, recent research was presented to the Select Home Office Committee. Uh, revealed that almost 50% of sex workers in the UK are men. So that that's that who I mean they have a lot of them have male clients as well obviously but you're talking about almost half of UK sex workers are men so to try and pretend that that isn't a very real thing is just ridiculous quite frankly but women go to see sex workers the most people I've spoken to is it's because they they're exploring kinks and fantasies and and like let's if you have a fantasy like a ravishment fantasy or like a hardcore BDSM fantasy it can be very difficult to ask for that from a partner or for certainly someone that you've just met on Tinder for God's sake is you have to be able to create that so it and go really wrong, you know, so yeah. that you can be um, a, a sex worker to try and live that out and to, and well, to be and, able to and, walk away from it as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, and in fact, I, I have recommended that to people. Mm. I've recommended specific, specifically, you know, this is a list of sex workers that are, Kink and BdSM folks that are above board, yep. you know, and that will look after you and if that 's what you want to do and you or you 're afraid of the process of trying to weed out
1: yeah.
0: people yeah. that you know nothing about and you don 't want to just jump into a world without knowing and you 're scared and you 've got to control it 's not the same experience, and I think people need to understand that that yeah. if you hire somebody to dominate you. It's not the same experience. Yeah. Because you have all of the power because you've handed, you've, you've got a contract. Yeah. But it is a, a way of creating an experience that's exactly tailored to you mm-hmm. that you're allowed to go at what, whatever pace you want to go because you're not worrying about the other person's pleasure. You
1: don't, you don't have to worry about the other person. You don't have to invest in them. You don't have to. Worry if they're going to come home and meet your parents. You don't have to phone them the next day. You don't have. It's something that's often called performing. You don't have to perform for them. Yes, I've I've never I've never seen a sex worker, but a couple of years ago I paid a a tantric massager to do what was called a yoni massage.
0: Uh huh. I know about
1: those. I was doing doing lots of research into tantra and those kind of things. blah, Blah blah. And I wondered what it was like and. And I'll be completely honest, it was probably one of the most profound experiences that I've ever had, which sounds, and I, you know, I don't know if you can not believe in Tantra, but I don't believe in Tantra. But it was like it's Father Christmas or something, but it was still, and I think, I think what did it was the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't perform. Like I was so, we get into sexual scripts as well, you know? Which yeah, like, well, no, and, and,
0: and it, it, well, you can't, you have it, to just... Give yourself over to the experience in that situation.
1: You can't you can't do that and like your sexual script becomes your armor and it becomes your like I'm not really although I'm having sex with this person I'm not actually going to let anybody in I'm not going to be vulnerable I'm going to I'm going to yeah. be this super tough girl and I'm going to be I'm going to be this I'm going to be a sex goddess blah, blah, blah. and I had an hour and a half with this guy and it wasn't it certainly wasn't all internal by, by any stretch of imagination but but I was completely naked and it was ju- he was just like going around my body and just like putting his hand on certain pressure points and I couldn't go back to my sexual script and I couldn't perform and I could just have to I just had to just be me and it's probably the most and I bored like a baby it was the weirdest thing I cried and I cried and I cried it was like, honestly I've never experienced anything like it and I don't believe in tantra but there you go that was that was the experience uh, I had and I certainly didn't feel demeaned by it and I didn't feel that I demeaned him by it and it felt like it was quite a powerful thing just by creating a space where I didn't have to do anything apart from receive something I didn't have to keep giving
0: and for women that's a big de- that's a huge I mean I get that because that's such a huge deal women are not as a rule we are not used to receiving we're not taught to receive. We're not, I mean, Peggy Orenstein's recent research says the new generation aren't being taught to receive any better than we were generations back. Is that we're still taught that the idea is that we give
1: yeah. pleasure
0: and we're not taught our own pleasure. And so th- there's a or reprogramming we, that has to happen. Hmm?
1: Yeah, or like we fake an orgasm. We fake an orgasm because like we want the guy to feel he's doing well. You know, like, like it's, it, becomes, it becomes all about about him, it becomes about pleasing him, it becomes about like, have I, have I made him have an orgasm? Have we done this? And, and we don't, we're not ever taught to just lie back and experience something and feel something. And I think just the experience of doing that, of having nowhere to run and nowhere to, to go and no, way, and no way of going, it's all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing now and blow your mind. And I couldn't do any of that. And it was one of the most powerful things I've ever done, really was.
0: Yeah, no, I believe that. I mean, it's, it, 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 yeah. And doesn't that, isn't that an amazing message, you know, the idea of actually having to be present and just receive. Just just receive. That's, like, that's petrifying. That's absolutely, for anybody that doesn't think it is, I challenge them to go and do something like that. Because it's absolutely I, no. petrifying to give up that control.
1: I, I had no idea what that was. Like, I knew what it was going to be like. I, I knew that it was going to be... You know, and like, like the idea that you try and get back in touch with your body and like you feel your body. And I kind of went to it being like, I know my body. I totally know my body. I write about sex for a living. I know my body. Turns out I didn't know diddly squat.
0: <laughs> I you know, love it.
1: It was, yeah, it was just that space of just, right, you can't be the big tough girl. You can't be the mind-blowing nymphomaniac who's going to rock his world. You just have to just feel this person touching your body and actually feel it and experience it and know that you don't have to reciprocate it. It's not like a, I don't have to do it back. And it was a really profound thing. And I don't, I I would recommend all women to go and have this done, by the way, all women listening to this. go and. I know
0: (laughs) I would actually agree with that because I think it's one of the few spaces in which you will experience that receiving complete receptive state and without being in control. And without being and, judgment.
1: And yeah. yeah. And, and, of and it's an
0: amazing of, place. It really is. But it it's is really a scary crazy. place and it does take braveness. So go and do it with braveness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, like I cried and I cried and I cried. It was the weirdest thing. I cried and he cried. And we both cried together. And like, I've never done anything like that before. Very, very wow. strange that your body can move you like that still, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's wonderful. Yeah. And a lot of, and, and, and that's within an environment that's non-shaming.
1: Very non-shaming. Yeah. Very, it was, it was with, it was with a guy, but he didn't feel creepy. He didn't feel lecherous. He didn't feel like he was after something. He was never going to overstep any marks. I felt completely, and maybe like that was something weird as well that I've not experienced is I felt completely safe with him as I Mm -hmm. didn't have to do anything back. He didn't expect anything, you know? And that's you know, also something
0: that we don't usually get.
1: No, and although it wasn't, it, it sounds strange to say that it wasn't sexual because obviously there was nudity and some internal touching involved, but it wasn't sexual. It was like a touch thing, you know? It was more powerful than that, is it wasn't like a big erotic thing.
0: But and I have know? to say that, and to a degree that's really sad to me that we now divorce Sexual from that level of power, because that's what sexual is supposed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. We, right. that's, but, but we've got so much, there's so much shame and there's so much splitting that goes on around sex and orgasm now that an experience like that to be powerful, it feels so different from anything sexual. We've known that it just doesn't feel sexual.
1: It, it, it was hard to describe because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't sexual. There was, it was obviously there was, there was touch involved, but it was much more about like, cause the, the point of it is that, that they, they believe that, that you have trauma stored in your body. Yes. So yes. You have muscle knot. Yeah. So they, yeah. they go around your whole body and they basically push really hard on certain parts. And the idea is, is that you really feel it and you kind of, instead of running away from the pain, like you kind of give over to it. So right. So awesome. you
0: re- you're releasing the, you're releasing yeah. the muscle memory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Releasing. That's, that's the one releasing the muscle memory. And then they do it in in the genitals as well, in just towards the end of it. And it was just like I don't know something was released. It was just like all the bad sex and all the the pretending about sex and everything. Just it just suddenly came flooding back to me, and I just cried and cried. It was yeah. I mean, you can't say that it wasn't sexual, but it, I suppose it's because it's not, nothing sexual I've ever experienced.
0: Before. It's cathartic. It was cathartic. That's the one. It was. But cathartic. what I think is what I think is so interesting about that is that. And a lot of people, myself included, will will describe certain BDSM stuff that way. Like yeah. I, I'm an edge player, so I I tend to get into intense pain. And after my father died four years ago, it was um, six weeks after he. Was it six weeks after he passed? Seven weeks after he passed um my husband and I go to an annual sex positive event every year and so we went and um I'd already had a play date arranged with two two women that I'm friends with close with and I had to say to them look I don't know how this is going to go because normally I can manage an awful lot but you know I have a feeling this is going to be like all my grief is going to end up in this and so And it was the most cathartic experience I'd ever had. And it was really all of my, all of the grief I'd been feeling and everything I'd been holding came pouring out in this scene. Yeah. In front of about 150 people, which was a bit, (laughs) but I I was completely unaware of anybody, but the two people that I was engaged with. And, you know, it was, it was incredibly powerful and it was just completely cathartic. So somebody would say, well, was it sexual? Well, it was cathartic. It was, that was where we were. And so, yeah, it was sexual, but it was also cathartic, but sex can also be used as a means of processing. And that's something we also don't talk about, you know, that, that that there's lots of things that we use sex for. (laughs) And that actually, if you're willing to be present with somebody, you can do all sorts of things with sex, but you have to be present first.
1: I mean, there's, I think that you hit the nail on the head there. It was something cathartic. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a really intense thing, you know, and if I'm feeling facetious, we could just say that it was a kind of a fancy fingering, (laughs) but it was so much more than that. Still don't even know what it was, but something happened. It it, it moved something. But I think, I think from, from him, I never felt that it was in any way sexual for him. Yes. I think that that did something that made me feel very safe. So,
0: well, that's very freeing, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely, That's... like, I yeah, but it was, it was just an amazing, it's probably one of the most profound experiences that I've ever had, and I kind of went to it thinking, like, whatever, this is a giggle.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just,
1: and it just really wasn't at all, I was lying there in floods of tears going, well, this, this, is, this is hysterical, Kate, well done. But yeah, that took me by surprise, to say the least. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, understandably i'm not sure anybody can predict that either well maybe they think they can predict that i don't know they might
1: well this is like they do this kind of tantric massage all all the time so i suppose that they must have people with things coming up and
0: i'm sure they have people with stuff coming up all over the place yeah, um yeah. so if people want to find you where should they go to find you
1: oh they they can find me on twitter which is at of yore uh, your as in y o r e some people think i'm saying york and they spend forever searching for <laughs> whores of york <laughs> not that one uh, or there's a website which is the and you can get in contact with me there and my email address is on there and and yeah you can you can talk to me that's fine
0: and on the podcast notes everything the links will be there so people oh, yes. can find you and follow you um So can I thank you so much for joining me? This has been great fun. This has
1: been a lot of fun. And if anybody listening has any kind of story that they want to share or like something that they have experienced is I have a whole part of the website which is dedicated to people just telling their sexual stories. And you can be completely anonymous if you like, but if you have a voice, I I, I want people to be able to hear it.
0: Okay, so now I will encourage people to contribute that and we'll remind people in the podcast notes that they can do that. So, thanks for joining me for the A to Z of Sex. Please write to me with your suggestions for the show. Questions that you might want answered at Dr. Lori Beth at A to Z of Sex dot com. That's D R L O R I B E T H at A T O Z or Z if you're American, O F S E X dot com. Please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30 minute strategy session with me, go to HTTPS.com colon forward slash forward slash a t o z o f s e x dot com forward slash and click the button that says schedule now i'll see you next week when the letter will be x and x again is for x rated thank you very much for listening thanks for tuning in you were just listening to the a to z of sex if you enjoyed the show please leave a review here on itunes and make sure you head over to www a to z of sex.com. That's a t o z o f s e x to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.